This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, we are uh, sitting in the, the home, the man cave of Ryan Sample. Right after a round of golf, we got some Jim Bean Black. Cheers, Rhino. Good Cheers. To, good to be with you. Let's be a little, a little tasty here. Mm. All right, ready to talk to you. So, uh, how'd the round go today? You, you look like uh, you look fresh, like you just came. You shoot under par today? What do, what do we got? Uh, shot fine. I had a couple contestants in the Jim Beam uh, raffle, which went very well. Uh, it, was, uh, it was the first time that they've ever swung a golf club. Wow. So if you can imagine that, um, then my wife played Margaret, but uh, we, we played a, a scramble as a team, shot the par on the day. So it worked out very well on a, on a great uh, early fall afternoon. So this guy won a raffle, right? And he, was, he got, got to meet one of his heroes. Yeah, huge Cubs fans, <laughs> uh, obviously. And uh, you know what? He, had, he was decked out in the Cubs blue outfit, straight from a Dick Sporting Goods. So he was he was ready to go, a full Cubs gear, and uh, and we had a good time. But uh, they enjoyed it. They appreciated what the Jim Beam did with the raffle, and uh, and so uh, I enjoyed a round of golf. So for me, it doesn't get any better than that. Do you? Is it comfortable for you to embrace the celebrity part of you, who you are, Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Famer, and meeting somebody like that who's probably you know looking up to you like, oh, I get to hang with Ryan on today. Uh, or is it awkward? No, no, it's not awkward at all. I've, I've, I've grown into that. I was more awkward as a player yeah. uh, with, with all the publicity and, and notoriety and being noticed and recognized rather than today. Um, and, uh, and being a, a Cubs ambassador, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and I get to be around the fans. And so this was, a, this was kind, of a, kind of like that, being with Cubs fans and playing golf and uh, talking Cubs baseball which is always good nowadays. So, uh, you know, being an ambassador to the Cubs is a pretty good gig right now. Yeah, four straight years in the playoffs. I'll, we'll see what you think about their future in, in these playoffs in a second here. But I, you, just, you made me curious, sir. Like, when you were a player and people wanted to talk to you to and interview you, whatever was it, but you were such a routine guy. Did you? Was it more so that you, you felt like you were 
if I was doing that, I was going to lose my focus on the field, or is it just also shiny? It's like, how would you boil that all together? A little bit of that. Um, when I when I broke in, I was around the Pete Roses and the Mike Schmitz, and then I was on the same field with the uh, the Willie Stargels and and just the great players. Uh, and I was brought up that uh, that you don't reveal too much about what you're doing on the field. That's that's just the way that I was groomed as a young player, right. and that's what those veterans did. Uh, you didn't want to say why you were hitting good. You didn't want to talk about your strategy. You didn't want to reveal too much from the to the opposing team because they'd make adjustments. Right. That was the mindset. Right. So I didn't do that. Right. That's the way I was brought up. And then uh, and then the way the game was played. If if uh, if you. The players that would have too much or bring too much spotlight to themselves, it seemed like baseball had a way of dealing with that. Yeah. And what I'm talking about is being pitched inside, being knocked down, brushed back, all those things was a style and a way to play the game. So I was not one to brag about or talk about what I was doing. I just wanted to continue with my routine like you talked about. Yeah. I was very regimented in that and with that routine, gave me confidence on what I was doing. And the other side of the game is it, it, baseball will come back and bite you if, you if you become too big within the game. I was also taught those things. So when I was red hot, I, I knew or thought that there was a slump on the way and then how am I gonna handle that? If I'm talking about myself uh, in good times, how am I gonna deal with it if I'm in an 0 for 30? It wouldn't be much fun. So. All those things wrapped up into one, along with uh, kind of being thrown into the spotlight for the first time in 84. Yeah. Uh, with not a lot of uh, experience in that, practice in that. It, it kind of hit me at once, but uh, over time and, uh, and with some more practice and, and just being in the spotlight more often, I just grew accustomed to it and more used to it. How many ground balls would you take before a game? Was it an actual number, like 10? Uh, about 20? 60. Yeah. About 60. Okay. Ground balls, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to, I also didn't want to talk about, uh, I, I didn't want to jinx myself into into not playing well. Right. Uh, and, and so that was a side of it that I kind of looked at the game of baseball and separating uh, media and revealing to the media what I'm doing and then say I, I, I don't do well and they're looking at well look at he said he used to do this now he's doing that then it'd be like so I, I, I kind of thought about that a yeah lot. yeah it's I mean the the flow of a season 162 games it's, it's, a, it's a lot to handle for a young guy for even an older guy right I mean there's just that the, the mental side is huge in baseball it is uh, yeah the mental side is huge Today's player, uh, I think that they've been groomed uh, with social media and uh, groomed throughout uh, maybe even high school now. If they're a good high school player, yeah. they have cameras out there looking at them. They're doing interviews when they get to college or they get drafted. Uh, they get put on this pedestal, number one pick, can't right. miss, big leaguer, all that stuff. That was not even talked about when I was drafted uh, because it wasn't. But uh, in, in today's game, the player, I think, is more groomed to uh, being out there yeah. Talking about what they're doing, uh, they don't worry about the scouting reports and revealing too much because all the the cybermetrics, sabermetrics, and all that it's out there already. So that so there's no secrets right. on where their hot spots are, what they're doing when they're playing well. Right. And it's all on social media. What the routine might be. I can go out there with my iPhone and and film a guy 
during batting practice and see what his routine is. Yeah. In my day, they, you had to tell him what it was. Nobody was out there watching and nobody was filming, so it's all different. And you were uh, you weren't a first round pick. You were twentieth round. Twentieth round. And you were you also had a scholarship to go play college football, correct? And that's why I went in the twentieth round. <laughs> okay. I was uh, I was uh, scouted out of high school as All American. Parade Magazine All-American Quarterback, 1978. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was my first sport that the colleges wanted to talk to me about. Uh, and then me not knowing about uh, the draft, baseball draft, or having leverage or, or educated about all that, I told all the baseball scouts that I was going to go to uh, go to a college, play football first, play oh, wow. baseball secondary. That scared off a lot of the scouts and teams in, in drafting me high. They didn't want to waste a high pick. Right. Uh, I was projected to go in the third round. Okay. But every time a, 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 a scout would come in, hey, can we get you in the 40-yard dash? So I went out there and ran the 40. I was running like a, I was running like a, uh, like a 4-4 or 4-5-40, which was fast. Yeah. And, uh, Yet my mindset was I was going to play football. Why am I running the 40-yard dash for the baseball scouts? Right. So, um, yeah, I was drafted in the 20th round. Uh, three weeks after that, I changed my mind about football, and I went the baseball route. Why did you change your mind? I talked to my older brother, Dell, six years older, who just went through high school, junior yeah. college, and uh, major college, Washington State. He, he went to the College World Series. Yeah. And he reminded me when I got drafted that we both wanted to uh, be a professional athlete in some capacity. He said, you know what, you can give up uh, studying at school. You can give up trying to play two sports in college if you, uh, if you sign right now and yeah. sign uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies who drafted me in the 20th round, get paid to uh, play baseball. And uh, you know what, that's, that's the route I went. Did you get a signing bonus? Yes. Big money? Thirty-nine thousand. Thirty-nine thousand. Third round pick. <laughs> Number one pick was uh, back in those days was uh, I think a hundred thousand. Okay. So thirty-nine was. What's a lot of money though in nineteen seventy-eight, right? I mean. Oh yeah, I was mowing lawns for five dollars a lawn. So <laughs> if I had if I had four lawns, that's twenty bucks. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm a pro. All right. Uh, okay. So. You're a Philly. You're talking about your, your, you know, you got uh, who, these guys you're looking up to, and all of a sudden you get traded to Chicago. What did you know about the Cubs at that point? Uh, did not have WGN in Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Uh, I was just a September call-up in '81 with the Philadelphia Phillies. Right. Came in to play a three-game series against the Cubs. The Cubs were in last place, and there was probably 8,000 fans in the stands for a three-game series against the Phillies. Cubs. That was my first experience about the Cubs until I was traded and um, I had to have some input from my agent and, and friends and even my older brother. Hey, you're going to a place that wants you, they're rebuilding, you have a chance to break in if you can go there and have a good spring training, get into the major leagues. So right. it didn't take me long to look at it as a bright spot and an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Dallas Green was your guy, right? Dallas Green was my guy. He yeah. was uh, the farm director of the Phillies mm -hmm. when I was drafted in 1978. He was my first manager of Philadelphia Phillies when I was a September call-up. And then he was the general manager uh, and president when I came over. He had me come over in a trade with Larry Boa that brought me to the Cubs. And then I got uh, about 625 at-bats that, that rookie season coming over in 82. 
that winter of 81-82, I went to Venezuela for my second straight year and played uh, baseball down there, which was a privilege back then, right. as if you were a prospect. Mm -hmm. I was a non-regular player in Venezuela for street, two straight winters. I, I couldn't get into the lineup. I played once a week as a backup player. Oh my God. And then I went to spring training, made the Cubs, and then, uh, like I say, got, got 625 at-bats, started my major league season with the Cubs, with that opportunity. Right, and then 84 in the Sandberg game, and Bruce Souter, and... 84 was, uh, yeah, career-changing. A game against Bruce Souter, game-changing. Yeah. Uh, career-changing yeah. game was, for me. It was, you know, I, I was watching uh, the tape before coming out here, and. You look at Wrigley Field back then, you know, no, all day baseball and no 19, 14, you know, lobster and whatnot that you can get behind home plate now. But more so than that, like all the fans had their shirts off back then. Oh, yeah. It was like there was no, like Sons of Creed wasn't a thing. Or I don't even know what it was. It was, <laughs> yeah, it, was right. it was a totally different, it was so different and like just much more raw. I don't know what, what you remember about like, It was the different. Scene. Yeah, the bleacher bums were true bleacher bums, like we were saying, shirtless out there and, uh, I don't know. They had, I mean, there was beer flying all over the place on home runs. Uh, it, it was different. But when I look back at those highlights, the graphics on WGN are oh, yeah. so basic. And then the long hair, uh -huh. uh, the skinny, the skinny um, uh, bodies that all the players had, including myself. Much slender, uh, quick, lean muscles, but much slender look. And then the uniforms with the stirrup socks and, and the skin-tight jerseys and the pullovers, no buttons. It was the greatest. So much different. It was the greatest. It yeah. was the greatest. But 84 for me in the Bruce Souter game, uh, career changing. Yeah. Uh, just a, a different way to look at myself as a player at that time with that type of a game, national TV. It, boost, it boosted me into my first all-star game, passing up Steve Sachs of the Dodgers, who, uh -huh. uh, who, who was leading yeah. before that game. And the Cubs had just taken over first place by half a game for the first time. All that wrapped up into one. And now, after that game, I walk in, and I couldn't even see my locker for the first time. Walking in, experience all the cameras and everybody around my locker, just talking to me about that game. That was that was something different. Fear at that moment, seeing all that, like, oh my God, I got to deal with this. Uh, no, no, not, no. It was elation. Oh uh, wow! It was it was walking on cloud cloud nine of the yeah. game. It really was. Yeah. Um, just to hit the two. Two game time home runs against Bruce Souter with hit that pitch that he throws, which is such a dominant ground ball pitch to, yeah. to swing underneath and elevate both of those for home runs, uh, was just something that was uh, it was not the norm. It was a different swing. It was a yeah. different swing path, but it was the path of underneath the baseball to hit a home run with two outs and nothing to nothing to lose, all to gain. And then uh, the headlines the next day and the picture and the Cubs and, and all that. And, uh, you know, what I said, you know what, this is where I go back to thinking I, I don't want to go into a slump right here. Yeah. This is, this is great stuff. And yeah. uh, there's a lot that's expected of me from everybody now and myself uh, that uh, it went, it, I kept up that pace and had to put together a season. Uh, with the 200 hits and uh, the defense and everything, and MVP at 24 years old, uh, and that became my standard until I retired at uh, 39 years old. Was that type of play and that type of season? And you lived into it every, you know. Tried to. That was my goal. Well, what you uh, ten straight uh, Gold Gloves, nine straight All Star games, correct? Uh, nine, nine uh, Gold Gloves straight, uh, ten All Star ten games, silver, okay. seven Silver Bats. 
Um, wasn't too that, bad. That became a that, kept, that was a goal for me each year. It was to contribute like that and uh, and to do it each year. You hit on something that makes me want to jump ahead as far as like the swing path with uh, against Suter and every you know nowadays all launch angle guys trying to take the ball to the ballpark and the shift and and then I hear a lot of old timers who I talk to uh, who don't like watching the game right now because there's no hidden runs. Nobody's trying to steal, and, and it's just, it's just and the eight hitter in the lineup can can take you out of the ballpark. Uh, I'm curious, like you watching, and you go to a ton of Cubs games. You're an ambassador. Like, how, how do you find just watching the game for yourself? Uh, you know what? The good teams play uh, play good defense. I, I enjoy watching the Cubs. They play good defense. They're good base right. running teams. They're disciplined. They uh, and they do things. And the winning teams you see in October do those things well and they avoid the strikeout they put the ball in play so that's still winning baseball so that's every every team's goal is right. to play is to play uh, that type of baseball and it's uh it's about hitting behind the runner advancing the runner and uh running first and third all the time and and being heads up on defense all those things is winning baseball so i right. I, I enjoy watching it because i get to watch the cubs and they, they do it very well if they had shifted on ryan sammer wouldn't how would, how would you hit it away from the shift right <laughs> i mean what, like i've heard george brett talk about it. like i would have hit i almost hit 400 i would have hit 450 against it you wouldn't have shifted against him my my yeah my generation came up playing in the yard and uh if you play cross the line you put some defense out there and you get some fields that you can hit and they just put a couple of defense so you stand at a certain place at home plate to get a pitch, alter the pitch on where it's at, where you can hit it where you want to hit it. Yeah. So if I'm trying to hit the ball to right field because they're shifting to pull, I'd get away from home plate, create more pitches away from me, and that those pitches I can hit against uh, away from the shift. Right. So uh, I think the time is right around the corner where the players will adjust to that uh, because they didn't play as much baseball in the front yard and wiffle ball that my generation did right but uh for them to be successful and to have goals of hitting 300 and and do their job on base that'll you'll see that you'll see that trend but uh, as of today i'm amazed how they set up the defense and this hitter will take a great swing on a pitch it's his pitch he he squares it up one hopper to the through the infield by the pitcher and there's a guy standing there it's yeah. It's right. unbelievable. Right, you get a shot up the so middle. So it works. Yeah, and it's like, well, because all the numbers, right? But then I, I, I agree with you. At least I, in theory, you would think that eventually these guys are going to adjust. And they will. They yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. So your Hall of Fame speech, one of the great speeches ever going. Uh, it, was just, it was awesome seeing you go into Cooperstown. You're talking about the front of the jersey and not the back. And nowadays it's much more move to the front to the front like Javi Baez is the most popular guy in the Cubs and, and he does a ton of things on the field that are incredibly Timor as far as running the bases and taking advantage but he's, he also has like I would call like a little bit of Sammy in him where he you know he's got a big swing and he, and he, and he loves the attention and there's nothing that's and some people think there's nothing necessarily wrong with that uh, I'm just like have you at all like I don't know if like you know what I can deal with more, more to nowadays with the in the front because that's how everybody's playing or does it still bother you what uh what bothered me was that was that, that speech came right at the right at the start of the or middle of the steroid era yeah. where it was all about the home run and the home run that's hit uh, in the eighth inning to make it a uh, seven to two game and your team is losing yeah. and you're, at, you're you're going out for a curtain call because you hit home run. Right. That's what I had a problem with. Yeah. Um, the players today that play well, it's it's high entertainment. It's. Uh, a guy like Javi Baez that runs hard, is an excellent base runner, makes the defensive plays wherever you put him. Yeah. Uh, he puts down a, a safety squeeze bunt to, to, on his own to yeah. get a run in. Um, 
he's adjusted his swing to cut down on strikeouts. He's come a long way. Uh, the fact that he's entertaining and has a little flair to him, I have no problem with that because he's fun to watch. Yeah. I, I like watching him play. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a guy that goes about it the right way and hustles, and you can see that he's a team player. And if you have a little flair to you and, and celebration, that's all part of the game today because they don't pitch inside, and, and, the, and the players and the opposition don't take as much offense to it that you're going to go up there and and get thrown behind your head or in the middle of your back yeah. uh, that's not happening anymore that's used that's what used to stop the flare in my day yeah so if you had a if you hit a hit a shot and did a bat flip against nolan ryan <laughs> uh, you'd be in trouble uh you might be in the hospital the next day right with a with a, a fastball up around your head or in the middle of your back yeah today's day today's game is different than that and it's a high visibility with uh social media and everything and it's entertaining i think that the uh the way that um the cubs players go about it is very entertaining i like their celebration i like the way that they um, get on base and they have a sign that whatever it might be it seems to change year to year yeah, yeah, they yeah. Have a sign to the dugout right that's telling the dugout hey let's you do the same thing let's let's get a rally going right i think it's great yeah well let's uh what do you think of their chances this year here? It's, they're kind of limping to the finish here, but they're, they're in the playoffs, and, and maybe they'll be the division winner. Well, they're a championship group. They've been there before. Yeah. Uh, the last four years, whenever I thought that their back was against the wall, they always came up with a game and won that next game. So they're used to that. So I have all the confidence in the world for them. Um, they're going to manage, have to manage with, a, uh, with, a, with not a complete bullpen. Yeah. Very hard to do in postseason. I would say, when you don't have your standard nine guy, your standard eight, eighth inning guy, and then everybody else does their jobs mixing and matching, it's been a, a bullpen by committee. That'll be, uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, they'll, have to, uh, they'll have to really come together as a group and get the job done. To, uh, to ease that a little bit, stress is for them to swing the bats and to really have um, right down here these last few games and at October where they they put some numbers up there that that uh, take some of that tension away uh, and, and that's how you can do it is score runs so we'll we'll see if they can do that what, what was it like for you when they uh, got over the hump in, in 2016 uh, 2016 was life-changing for me it, it was I was at all the games the, the whole postseason uh, it was fun to watch um, it was something I, I really dreamt about but did not picture it happening yeah and just three years before 16 it seemed like they were still another hundred years away no. so the way that it happened in 15 and you saw the young players they go to they knock on the door they go to postseason i said wow these guys can play and then you see uh, you get a few added guys and going into the 16 season now all of a sudden they're favored to win in 16 out of spring training. I hadn't heard of that from a Cubs team. And for <laughs> right. them to go out and do it and back that, they had that talent. Um, for me, it starts from the ownership all the way down, the leadership and the ownership and Theo Epstein and, and Joe Madden. Uh, it's great. But um, after 84, on an everyday basis, walking downtown or restaurants or fans or spring training, the, the number one question was, Rhino, are the Cubs ever going to get to World Series? <laughs> And number two question, are they ever going to win a World Series Right. since 84, yeah. since we came up short? My answer was, I don't know to both questions. 
and deep down I was thinking, you know, I, I don't think so. <laughs> deep down, but I'm not going to tell the fans that. Right. So 16 erased all that uh, from the fans, and now it's about doing it again. Can they do it again this year? Can they do it again next year? That's awesome. I was thinking about 84. I was, I was 11 years old. You got the first game one in the playoffs against the Padres, a day game. You know, Sud hits the home run. They had they took the kids out of out of the classrooms, put everybody in the cafeteria to watch. I mean, it's, yeah, they, they I would heard not all ha- those stories. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't happen like that nowadays. Mainly, the game would be played started eight at night, but it was yeah. Eighty four was incredible. I, I remember the first part of September. We came home from a road trip, and uh, we're just getting ready to take the field, and we look across the street, and now we know, we see visibly see that and hear that Wrigley Field sold out the rest of the year. We look across the street and there's a, there's a couple of guys up on the rooftop. And we're saying, look at that. They're going to watch the game from across the street. How awesome is that? The next day, there's six guys up there in a couple folding chairs. I said, look at that. Now they got chairs up there. Now the third game of the series, there's 12 guys up there. There's about a half a dozen folding chairs and you see smoke from a barbecue. Right. The whole start of the, the rooftops Right. from 84. That, that was... That was when that happened and the fans came out of the woodwork um, really everywhere that we went uh, whether the west coast east coast to canada uh, texas it didn't matter the cub fans were out there and they've really been out there ever since yeah i, I, was, I mean when i was a kid it was like the one guy up there he'd have his shirt off looked like he just got out of bed it's two o'clock in the afternoon and then now, now he's got a bunch of friends uh, <laughs> that's uh well, it's a lot of money hey a uh, couple a couple just a little more baseball overall questions uh the dh there seems to be a a movement that it's going to be universal how, how would you feel about that uh you know my game's a national league game i yeah. like the strategy there yeah uh in my era we liked the opposing pitcher going up to home plate and that was the defense or the uh, retaliation of a, a pitcher that wanted to pitch inside or yeah. hit somebody on purpose yeah the fact that he had to go up there he had to think twice about that and that's how you retaliated back then um i i, I like i like that i like the strategy of a national league game i like the bunt i like uh, so, i like so pitchers I. that can hold the uh, handle the bat the only thing that I would say is uh, having top-notch pitchers being paid a lot of money that the fans, and including myself, want to watch pitch to get on base and pull a hamstring and miss six months. That'd be the only thing that I'd lean towards a DH. Uh, but I do like the uh, National League strategy. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a big... Leave it alone, at least in, in my mind. But. The National League, so, it's so much more for the fans to talk about and the strategy side of it the next day and the, and the armchair quarterbacks and the strategy there. You take the pitcher out, you bring the bullpen, you pinch hit, yeah. all those things. It's, the National League, I mean the American League, you just make up the lineup, you can put nine hitters in there, you just watch the game and whatever happens, right. happens. Uh, so I do like the, the strategy side of it. We started off the interview with you on the golf course. Uh, Tiger getting his first uh, championship in I don't know, five years. You, you, are you a fan of watching the golf too? Very cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was very cool. Um, you know, I'd say the generation of the young players that we've been watching the last uh, five, six, seven, eight years. Yeah, I think those are all guys I've watched and grew up with Tiger Woods on his style of play. So I think I think they're all thrilled about having him come back and be right in the mix because he was I think he's the one that really led golf in a different direction, um, no doubt. Being in shape, uh, longer drives, 
lifting weights. Uh, the guys really take, they really look like athletes, in my opinion, and they, yeah. they're, they're, they're top notch. I think he took the game to a different level, and all of his, his pupils watching at the younger ages uh, and when they were kids, and now emulating him has taken golf to a whole other level. I mean, he, he did for golf what no one else has ever done. Uh, you mentioned the steroid guys. Do they belong in the Hall of Fame? Should uh, no. none of them, right? No steroid guys in the Hall of Fame. Do you, do you th are, it's that's about stats. It's about integrity. It's about playing by the rules, um, and uh, uh, that's it. It's an elite group, and, and there's no cheating. There's no there's no cheating in, in Major League Baseball. There's no cheating in the Hall of Fame. And it seems like like some of the writers who have the power on this, they, they it's like the, I mean, you see the votes ticking up. I don't I don't get what changes over time. If you didn't, if you played the game the right way, it it, well, sh it should be everything in my mind. Hopefully, the uh, the younger writers that are now getting votes are not enamored about the the home run and the hundred the two hundred strikeouts a year going back uh, during the steroid era, because baseball was was really really it was all about the home run, and that's when you turn on the ESPN. It was the you know these these balls were hit out of the ballpark, and these are the guys that did it. It wasn't about a defensive play. It wasn't about turning the double play. It wasn't about winning baseball like it is that what it takes to win in today's game. Yeah. Or prior to the steroid era, what right. it took to win a championship. Did you so, know what was going on when it was happening? I mean, it was at, at the back end of your career. But did no, you? I retired in 97. Right. And there was no talk about it yeah. on the field or amongst the players or anything that anybody, that, uh, anybody was doing that at that time. It uh, developed right after that. And... Uh, Probably lasted for about uh, about six years. If the '97 Cubs had been a better team, do you think you would have played in '98? Because that that would have been that would have been the era, and that and that team was a wild card team. And just like, or was it just? No, '90. No, I. Um, halfway through the '97 season, and it crept up on me. At, yeah. I was just getting ready to turn 39 years old. Yeah. Where I, I, I looked at myself as a everyday player. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I hated to do was to take a day off and sit over on the bench and watch a game just because yeah. the manager wanted to give me a, a rest yeah. and felt like he had to. But other than that, I averaged nearly 158 games a year. Yeah. That's what I liked. Yeah. I hated sitting over there, uh, not helping out or just thinking about what I could do in the game to, to help out. Uh, but that mentality was what got me to the Hall of Fame with my at-bats and contributing on a daily basis. Uh, working my way through slumps and uh, and putting in years, year after year, it was that mentality of um, of being an everyday player, playing every day. And last one here, well, one slightly controversially, Sammy to back to the Cubs gets talked about all the time, uh, and the Cubs have sort of they've said that he needs to apologize to him. Do you, are, do you what, what's your opinion on, on on a guy like that who brought a ton of excitement but also brought a lot of other things? Uh, well, he's, he's, um, his numbers are, are tainted with uh, this suspicion mm -hmm. of what he might have done. Uh, he played some games with some cork bats. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's something about the, the Cubs' front office on what they want yeah. and, uh, and who they want around their, um, their players, uh, the Chris Bryants and, uh, and the Rizzo's and, uh, and the Haywards and all that, who do they want around them? And the way that, uh, the way that this group and this organization is top-notch, first-class, integrity, class, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how that 
fits in uh, with a fit. It makes me think of like with Brian. I mean, you that's like sort of a modern day you on some way. I mean, he just goes about his business. He's, uh, I mean, everything about him, he'll play. He'll, he'll, you, you, there's nothing not to like about Chris Bryant. I mean, really. I, I admire him from day one, the way yeah. he handles himself. Yeah. Uh, you can see when, when he's, he's, he's been banged up this year and you can yeah. see the difference in the club on what he makes, oh. uh, how, how he changes the team when he's in there yeah. and producing. Top notch. Anthony Rizzo, for me, kind of the leader of the squad, uh, was here and uh, was, was here through the 100 lost seasons. He appreciates what's going on now. I think he spreads that word to the players that come in about how it used to be and how this is now. And uh, they lead the way and it spreads. And uh, I, I think they're all leaders. I mean, I look at the whole roster and I look at, well, you know, this guy demonstrates leadership with this. Uh, this guy does that. They're all, they all seem to be such a unit and uh, represent the Cubs in such a, a way that it's, uh, it's about what's on the front rather than it's on back. This group does it as well as any group I've seen. I liked when he wanted to take on the whole Reds dugout when the uh, when yeah. they, they were a hundred lost team. Like you want to let's you know he, there was a pride in performance then. That that's when you knew that at least in my mind that this guy is an actual real leader and somebody you can want you want to be on board with. But uh, all right, Jim Beam. Jim Beam. Cheers. cheers. Appreciate it. All right, Ronald, great to Thanks talk hard. to you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.